following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with Sandra Bernstein. This is our first show. We're excited to finally bring The Bike Goes On to the public, and we are recording today live at the Roan Room in Sonoma. And we thought for our first show, we'd just do a little introduction and tell you a little bit about ourselves. And uh, I thought I'd let Sandra go first because I think uh, for, for a lot of people, she doesn't really need a lot of introduction, but um, some people may have never heard of Sandra Bernstein and um, might want a little, a little uh, background on your history and um, um, what it is exactly you do in the food world. So I'll go ahead and throw it over to you, Sandra. Thanks, Brian. This is so exciting. I'm glad we're finally here. We've nope. been talking about this for a while. Um, you know, it's funny, but the last 26, 20, no, maybe 30 years, um, my main focus in my life somehow or other has been surrounded by food. Uh, whether it was my serving job at TGI Fridays, where I actually serve food to people, or when I went to hospitality and culinary school, where I learned how to make velite and chicken stock and Bernays Wait, sauce. Some kind of sauce. I can't remember okay. now. I'd have to ask a <laughs> chef, a real chef. <laughs> wasn't sure if I was supposed to know what that was. I don't know. In your restaurant, you should, actually, probably. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, or, you know, whether it was, you know, managing people and writing menus with uh, chefs in other restaurants, or creating our fig food line at The Girl and the Fig, or just about anything, uh, testing recipes for our cookbook, or creating jam recipes and making jam, or just about anything. But I think more than any of that, I love food. I love to eat. Um, I wish I had a better metabolism, right. <laughs> but I can't really do anything about that. I keep trying to exercise. But food is uh, definitely like the spirit of my life. And I think I love being able to feed people and nourish them. And I know what comfort food is to me. I like that I can be uh, in service mode where I can give that to other people. Um, for the most part in the restaurants, the Girl and the Fig, the Fig Cafe, which are my restaurants um, for over 20 years here in Sonoma County, Sonoma Valley, um, they have been things that I really like to eat. And I've kind of put items on the menu that I want to feed people. Well, and that's a comment I get uh, a lot from guests at the Girl and the Fig and the Fig Cafe. They, they feel like they're eating in your home, like you're hosting them. And, and that's a... That's a, that's an unusual thing for restaurants to somehow capture that feeling, um, and, and that's all you. That definitely comes from your um, your aura, your spirit, uh, your way. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and I and I think you. it's one of the mo it's one of the top reasons that you're successful is because of that feeling. Yeah. Well, I I believe there are so many places that people can go, and there's so I mean whether you eat your breakfast at home or you go out to have breakfast or you have a celebratory function or at a restaurant, there are so many reasons to go. You could be traveling on business, um, but we are blessed for people that walk in the door and want us to serve them. They're putting their lives in our hands. Um, trusting that we have followed all the food rules, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. 
and that we're going to make them a beautiful meal and give them a great experience. And it is kind of like they're eating in my home. I, I do feel like that. And actually, they would never eat at my real home <laughs> because I don't really invite anybody there to do that. But it, it is, I created a place that I'm comfortable in and hope that other people would be comfortable in. And yeah. so thank you. That's, that's a huge compliment. Well, I think one of, the, one of the neatest things that I heard you say one time is someone was bringing a bottle of wine in and you said, oh, it's such an honor that you wanted to bring that special bottle of wine to have in my restaurant. Because I can tell you that's not the conversation that goes on at a lot of restaurants, <laughs> including my own, that, um, that um, you know, people bring in a bottle of wine and we're thinking... God damn it. We wanted to sell them a <laughs> bottle of something. But but I thought that was a that just encapsulates um, the feeling when people walk into your restaurant that yeah. um, that you, you felt that it was an honor for them to bring that special bottle of wine. And yeah. I, I always remembered that. Well, it doesn't work if the la- if the price tag is still on the bottle. Well, <laughs> you know, that, that's not usually an honor. But, you know, yeah, people collect, say, you know, favorite bottles for I mean, actually, matter of fact, I was listening to Danny Meyer the other day. And he was interviewing with um, Doug Schaefer, Mm -hmm. and they spoke about how they found the wine from uh, Danny's anniversary, or I don't know, I'm rambling. But anyway, again, first show, rambling nerves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I digress. But yeah, I mean, food is all around us. And I guess the other thing I should say is that I ended up here from L.A., I came up here on a long weekend in 1988, and I, was it 88 or no, it was 92. It was an Olympic Olympic year. It was an Olympic, yeah, exactly, it was an Olympic year. (laughs) Summer Olympics. Anyway, came up here on a long vacation, and I absolutely had to go to every farmer's market. I think the Cloverdale Citrus Fair was going on. Um, my boyfriend at the time wanted to see the microbreweries that were in the area and we had the best weekend that literally we went back to Los Angeles, packed everything up and moved to Sonoma three months later. Wow. Truly left my job, left his job and thought if there's any reason to be in the food business, this is the place I wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I hear people say that a lot, but not too many people do it. You know, they say, "Oh, we're just going to move here." Especially when, it, well, when I when I lived in Hawaii, you people would come visit and say, "You know what? We're going to go home, pack up all our stuff, and come back." And I wouldn't see them again, right? <laughs> Until they came for right. their next vacation, <laughs> exactly. Um, but Sonoma, I, you know, you actually hear that um, when you talk to people that are in the food and wine industry, a, a lot of people came here and um, really enjoyed their visit and somehow it uh, it was a magical place and touched them in some way and and they found a way to to if you can make it here you can make it anywhere <laughs> exactly in Sonoma, right? Exa- exactly yeah. and you know people talk about the weather it's not chit chat it's really you know what what is that weather how does that impact what's going to happen and you know, with harvest or with farming or, you know, are things going to become ripe when they're supposed to, or, uh, it's, it's real conversation about what people do for a living. And it's not, it's not just chit chat. And there were so many things where people were so passionate about what they were creating, whether it was a cheese maker making cheese or obviously all of our credible winemakers and organic farmers and, Everywhere you look, um, that passion was 
all around me and I'm somewhat of a passionate person. I'm like, wow, I could really highlight all of these things and show them off. Yeah. Well, this is around the time. I mean, you're talking about Alice Waters and Chez Panisse. And um, I mean, I don't know what else was really hot around here in the food scene in the in the late 80s. But there's always been a strong restaurant and food scene in Sonoma County. I mean, for me growing up yeah. from the early 70s, it's just always been like that. I, I never knew anything different. Um, Are you from here? So I'm born and raised Sonoma County. Um, yeah, raised in Petaluma, but born at Hamilton Air Force Base. My father was wow. in the military, so I think it was cheaper. I think it was $5 if, uh, if I was born at Hamilton Air Force Base. So I tell people I was airborne. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but how did you, how do you go from just deciding to move up here and, and you and your boyfriend are having a good time to actually opening not just a restaurant, but several restaurants, successful retail line, making wine. I mean, the, the whole deal. How does that get started? Well, I think, you know, committing to myself that, you know, generally if I say I want to do something, I'm going to do it and feeling that passion. But I spent four years here at Beyonce Winery working for someone else's family business, which I learned so much and was so grateful for my time there. It was a really wonderful, wonderful time. So that was your first job? Was it Beyonce? I had a little job before that, but that okay. was my first real job. And this is when yeah. it was actually owned by Vicky and Sam. It was Sebastiani. owned by Vicky and Sam. Right. And we, I was there. It wasn't quite the beginning, but it was very early on where it was still sleepy. And we really grew that business um, considerably. John Sebastiani had left, um, had graduated school and came back to take over the reins of the winery and uh, worked under him for a couple of years. But... At the time where I was really working five, seven days a week, 12 hours a day, um, and we were growing, 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 I was like, wow, if I'm going to work this hard, I need to do it for myself. I need to align with the things that are important to me. I need to make my own decisions. And uh, it's not everybody, I think, is cut out to be a boss um, or, you know, I was very happy to collaborate and to follow orders and to, you know, make someone else's dreams come true, right. but it was, it was time. And so I went away for a couple of weeks to a uh, week in Sedona, week in Santa Fe, and really tried to get my thoughts together about what, where I was in this planet and what I was going to do. And I decided I needed to do it. And I came home, I found a business broker, found a spot. We opened Glen Ellen in uh, the original Girl in the Fig in 1997. Wow. So it took a trip to somewhere with red dirt, like some exactly. sort of vortex to get your it head together. Vortex, vortex. There's another way to say that I just learned. But um, yeah, it just, those are peaceful places. Those right. are like magical. And um, I actually originally thought in the very beginning that I would have three restaurants. would have one in Santa Fe, one in Sonoma, and one in Aspen. And wow. I would take Aspen in summer, Santa Fe in winter, and Sonoma in spring. Wow. Yeah. And then I'd have a place in each place. And I would just, whoever was the person in charge, they got to stay at that place for that period of time. But I realized I don't want to be anywhere but Sonoma. I like to vacation other places. Yeah. I want to discover the world. Yeah. 
but I feel like now I'm here over 25 years and my roots are grown and um, yeah, I'm here. Because I remember even conversation about maybe Paso Robles, even uh, Girl in the Fig sort of uh, uh, having a... People tease me about that. They yeah. go, oh, we have this restaurant open, but... Yeah. But I remember your response yeah. was the same thing. You you, yeah, you like be being home and yeah. being close to the restaurant being and being close. able to walk in at any yeah. time. And, and, and I can go to all the places in the same day if I need to. Right. I can see everything. And I am always amazed by people that have um, independent restaurants in many different places. I think, you know, they know how to build a great team, I would think. And we have a great team, but I just can't see being so separated uh, locationally from those places. Yeah. So Glen Ellen becomes popular. Glen Ellen became... Now, you know, Glen Ellen is interesting in Sonoma Valley because since 1997, I have seen it be very cyclical seen it get high where we have lots of visitors seen it get low where nobody realizes that you can exit off of uh, highway 12 and it goes up and down there are years that there's lots of restaurants the years that there have been two or three restaurants well if people don't know glen ellen if if you've never been to glen ellen it's it's a strange it's it's strange because it is literally one it's one street Mm -hmm. that sort of takes a s turn and on that one street, you have a, a tasting room, Talisman. You have Glen Ellen Star. Uh, Ari uh, is the Great chef restaurant. over there. And then you have the Fig Cafe, the Glen Ellen Inn. Then you go around the corner, and it's oh wait, there's a breakfast yeah. place breakfast, across the Garden Court Cafe. The Garden Court. And and we, there's been that has been the Garden Court Cafe for as long as I've been there. Just different owners. Hmm. And then you yeah you make the turn and go across the little bridge, and, and it's the market w- at the market. And then what is it? called now it was the wolf house or oh it's jack the london. jack london saloon but it somehow is now an italian restaurant it's, it's closed already okay. i hate to say that okay but um it's a tough little location it's a t- listen yeah. it's a tough town for seven restaurants yeah oh you and know? so let's not forget the um the, is it Him- yeti? Him- the, the yeti Himala- right. yeah the himalayan, himalayan right. restaurant which is delicious right. and eric ross uh, right across the street been there eric ross winery right so that but that's it I mean, you're talking about where I'm from in Petaluma. I couldn't do that in right. in one minute. I couldn't name all the all the businesses. But it it, it is strange that it's just that one little. It's just section. a tiny little um, hub, and it's a draw for people that want to have dinner and taste wine. And I think some the other thing is that the fact that Jack London State Park is right up the street, and the Benziger property is right up the street. Right. It has that has created a destination for people to come. So, you know, I think when we started and we started getting reviews at, at the original Girl in the Fig in Glen Ellen, people would come and make an effort to go to the Fig Cafe and join us. And I think there were other years that people made the effort to go to the park and they would ask at the park, where should we go eat? And they would send us down. Um, there were years we were open for lunch there five days a week, lunch yeah. and dinner. There were We were open every day and every night for a period of time. So I've kind of, and we actually had a retail store there called Figment for a bit. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, it was so cute. So it was was. the retail store and the restaurant in the same space? And we had a a garden slash farm behind the retail space. It's across the street next to Talisman. So it's a little retail um, 
jeweler shop or a um right, right and it was tiny we stored our wine over there and then we turned it into a shop and then we took we expanded it and then we made it smaller and then we closed it and those are all effects from glen ellen's highs and lows yeah you know can a business sustain in that area yeah and when you think about the demographic in glen ellen too because i remember when i was 16 17 um running away from home for a little while i know that i was sleeping on a guy's floor who lived in glen ellen and and he was a real hippie i mean super hippie Um, it's a throwback town but at the same time you have people that live in san francisco and have their weekend homes in glen ellen and they're not hippies at all they've got uh, cash to spend so you've got sort of a weird mix of uh clientele and guests that come into your restaurant and and truly that when the gauge house opened um you know it it definitely brought a different tourist into glen ellen which was really fun for us um and olia around the corner too yeah uh, and now you know and they're new that was a a different b&b or hotel before them they've done a wonderful job there the the town, it's an interesting town. Yeah. I, I think it's now the new bakery is there, and they're doing a terrific job. It's adorable. Um, I think they're doing really well. And the Jack London Square or Park, or I, the, I forget what they call the whole complex where Yeti is. You know, they've had a tough time. They've had some great restaurants in there. Uh, but again, it's a destination, and if you can't get people, you know, committed to come there a couple, you know, a couple times a month, and we're certainly not like the city where you have instant volume all the time. Yeah, you know, you have to really drag people out there. Yeah, not a lot of pedestrian traffic uh, yeah. where and, people just happen to walk by. Exactly, and Catherine Venturi had her olive. Um, boy, I can't. Can you remember her restaurant's name? The Olive. Oh my goodness! No, um, well, I, Olive and Vine. Well, I was going to say Olive, Olive and, Vine, and Vine, but I didn't want to yeah, be wrong. Like, and, then, I, and she she was a mainstay in Glen Ellen for a lot, a lot of years, mm-hmm. and finally sold her restaurant. She do, still does a lot of catering, um, but she right. was incredible and had a really loyal following. So, so Glen Ellen is sort of small and sleepy a little bit. So, you decide let's open up the right, girl that's and the fig the country on restaurant. the plaza in sonoma that's the city restaurant yeah now you're talking about getting walk-in traffic people walking by all the time you're on you're right next to the uh, or in the sonoma hotel um and you've got uh you know beautiful square in sonoma anyone that um if you haven't been to the sonoma square it's like you took the Paso Robles Square and shrunk it down exactly. into, uh, into just four streets, basically, that are surrounding the square. And a lot of uh, community gatherings going on there, but always, always stuff going on. Shop stores. Uh, now a lot of tasting rooms, of course. Um, right. So so you first move into the girl in the fig and you think, are you scared? <laughs> well, no, I was really excited. And it's funny because... Uh, the restaurant in the Sonoma Hotel, it had been a few things in the period of time that I had been at Sonoma. And 
I had watched these different transitions and it would seem, wow, you know, another restaurant's going in. Oh, that didn't make another restaurant's going in. It's like really hard to understand because it was always my favorite location. Like how can that not be like this hopping spot? And when the current owners um, bought the hotel and they were running the restaurant at that time, it was called heirloom. Um, I like the name. It was fun name, great name, and really stylish. The place looked really good. Thought that there was definitely a chance. Eaten there a few times, and they really weren't getting the traction. And I, I think, you know, I just and I loved it. And so, without judging or anything, I just said, "Hey, you know, if you guys ever get tired of this location." please let me know. I would take it in a heartbeat. And you're saying this to the restaurant owner to or the to the owner owners of the, of the hotel? hotel okay. Which were the same as the, they, they were the ones managing. And I don't know that they'd ever been in the restaurant business. That is definitely, you know, you can't really play restaurant. Right. <laughs> Some people think you can. <laughs> right, exactly. And I was just like, I really want it. And they're like, oh, okay, you know, there's someone in San Francisco that really wants it too. So you would mm. be second on the list. And I was like, oh no, I really need, you know. And it was a good year later, probably, that I was working the floor in the in Glen Ellen, and they were in for dinner. It was just like second seating. It would have been the last, you know, one of the last tables of the night. They said, "Hey, we want to talk to you when you get a chance." And I literally like. Edit, Did you know when they said that? Oh yeah, edit button yeah. went off, and I started screaming in the middle of the dining room. Oh my god, I'm gonna get it! I'm gonna get it! And I was so excited. And I was like, oh, Sandra, shh, there's people here. But, um, you know, it took a little while. But indeed, um, yeah. And, and John was still working with me. John, who's now business partner. John Toolsy, executive Tulsi, chef and uh, managing partner, now, right? Yeah. Oh, president. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I know, there's so many titles you get to put on business cards. So that's I, know, I know you were nice enough to give me a new title at some point, which yeah, I thought was fun. I well, like that. I like people to name their own things too right that's okay right you know decide what you want to be and then grow into it or be it right um and so we were like yeah let's do it and i we had not finished paying off the original loan yet but we were doing really well we weren't you know right on track and was able to get a loan and figured it out and moved and originally i was going to do the girl in the gaucho in downtown Sonoma. That was the plan. And this is Spanish-inspired, correct? Tapas, Spanish, right. South American, Argentinian. It was just um, a celebration of Latin cuisine um, from almost every country. And for another day, but concept a little bit before its time. And this is, I think, 2000 we're talking about. And so that was the plan was going to have both restaurants open, but the way the deal was going, we had to open it in winter. And I was very scared to have two restaurants open in winter. Sonoma is definitely not as busy. It wasn't as busy then as it is. Especially then it was definitely seasonal. Now you get, I mean, you get weddings in February. Now it used to be, you had your wedding season and you had the tourist season. um, Right. And people coming for harvest, but then, but then it sort of got sleepy. Exactly. And, So I had to change my plans because it was like, well, that's not going to work. And I didn't think that. Anyway, I closed the Glen Ellen restaurant and uh, kept it closed for about three months, picked up the staff, the decor, 
the menu, the food, everybody, we all moved. There was about, um, there was a month that we were able to work on the space and then four days over thanks long Thanksgiving weekend that we closed the cafe and opened the new restaurant. Wow. Insane. Well, and you got to stretch a little bit though. So because the, if and it any, was winter and we had time to figure it out. Yeah. When you had a little more space, which I'm and sure we was had nice. a bar, we had full liquor. Oh, that's a different, that uh, was huge. Yeah. And we had a patio when it was coming. So we were able to grow into our space before the season came. Right. And it was a whirlwind. It was a, um, you know, it's funny. I don't remember all of the details of, you know, the different restaurants and the openings and the closings, but I've always loved being there in the beginning, getting it ready, counting down before the doors open, getting excited for your first few guests. Well, that's part of what we were talking about earlier is that it would be if people came to your house, you putting out all, you know, vacuuming and putting all the decorations (laughs) and getting the food ready and setting the table with your special china. And you're just doing that at your other home. Exactly. Your restaurant. The bigger home. Right. Yeah. Right. And it was fun. And uh, kind of that's... and. That's where we met um, eventually. Well. Oh, estate. I know. And, and there's. Oh, we don't have time for all this. Or Girl in the Gaucho actually was a thing, right? In it Petaluma. was a thing. Yeah. No, uh, Girl in the Fig went to. Pet- oh, yeah. Petaluma was a Girl in the Fig. Girl in the Gaucho became a thing for a few years. Yeah. Estate or Estate, estate. was a wonderful, right. wonderful place that I miss. And um, yeah, I sometimes I say I've closed more than I've opened, um, but that's not really true. Um, I think I've opened maybe the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's same. evened out. As long as you exactly. stay on the positive side, you're probably exactly. doing well, right? And, and truly, that would be my thing. If a business isn't feeling like it's going really well, I had another one in my pocket that I was ready to right. take on. Uh, no bad news for me. Right. You know, switch it to the positive. Well, and not just the restaurants, but then you have a very successful catering business because, I mean, it just makes sense. People come to the Girl and the Fig, they try the food, they get the feeling of the Girl and the Fig, and they want that to translate to a private party they're having at home or for their wedding or whatever it is. Um, So your catering business became very successful, still is very successful, I think. And part of that philosophy is that when we were catering outside of the restaurant, we wanted it to taste like restaurant food. Wasn't going to be different. Wasn't going to, the sensibility needed to be the same. Yeah. And I think you could maybe explain that to people a little bit when you're, when you're putting out 150, 200 plates, it can get a little mechanical sometimes so that you have to keep that in your mind that the person is going to have that plate and you want it to seem like you made that specific plate just for them. So yeah, the choice of food and presentation is very important when you do events like that. And I think most of us have all been to a, uh, an event or a banquet where the food has been really lackluster and we think of events with a lot of people you go oh we're gonna have one of those events and i just did not want to do that right so we we strive for again you know local fresh seasonal um food that represents you know where our hearts are and it definitely took a little while to build our catering business. It wasn't, it didn't start in Glen Ellen. I mean, maybe we did two or three or four events over the years. 
um, mostly from guests that came and said, oh, could you do this at our house? We weren't really equipped. Right. And actually something I understand, uh, Cafe La Haye, a small restaurant, they don't do a lot of outside catering. They just don't have the manpower or the space or the bandwidth to take those things on. So yeah. it wasn't really until we built our catering kitchen that we went for it. Yeah, if, if, if anyone hasn't done catering before, it, it actually, it's moving. Imagine you moving yeah. from one house to another house. That's what you're doing. You're just doing it with food, but then you have to bring everything with you everything. that you could possibly need to prepare those meals. And checklists are definitely um, one of the most important things that you <laughs> see in a caterer's hand. Uh, because if you forget something, sometimes you could be a long way from home. Um, and then you're going to have to go to plan B, C, or D. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you, you have to be very thoughtful when, um, when doing catering and, and if you, yeah, if you're not equipped, um, and have all that equipment, then, um, yeah, especially if you're like 45 minutes away and you're like, Oh, we don't have the ABC. And yeah. so where I mean, do you go? Where do you steam, get it? Something. Oh, exactly. we were going to steam tamales. Now we, yeah. we don't have oh, it. How are we, we going to do, do that? Or, oh. oh, there's no propane. Yeah. Um, you know, a thousand things. And honestly, it's not my comfort spot. Um, John is way more, um, has a lot more aptitude at that. And I've been like, I will do, I will market. I will help plan. I will help write menus. Um, but please don't ask me to go to yeah. these events because I will be a sore thumb. I will be, I just out of my mind. Yeah, it's a little stressful, and it especially is. weddings. When you're talking about weddings, those are probably oh, some of the most stressful events, day. not just for you, for the for the bride, the groom, the family, everyone. And all it takes exactly. is one little thing, little little thing, um, to sort of start the domino effect. Exactly, and I'd be like, please don't let it be our fault. Let it be the event planner. Let it be the musician. If not it the rains, caterer. I didn't make it rain. Exactly, I couldn't help it. You said you did not want a tent. Right, right. I cannot control your feelings. So now you've got that beautiful. Beautiful event space. Not we only do. do you have your catering kitchen, but you're also able to host events right next door at Sweet D, which is we great. We do, which is yeah. really, really fun. Yeah. And um, my favorite is Wednesday night when we start doing our ramen pop-ups in winter. coming. I think coming I got something up. on my phone today oh, about, uh, about ramen oh, good. returning. Very good. Yeah. Um, yep. Delicious and fun. And it's been a great place to be able to do winemaker dinners. Um, before we had that, we had done a handful at the restaurant, but very difficult to ask the kitchen to make two full, actually, you would know something about this, making two full different sets of food right. out of the same kitchen right. for two totally different paste event paste seatings you know the restaurant which people pace themselves a dinner which you pace slow and you're pairing wine yeah and well someone ends up suffering it, and you sometimes you just have happen. to choose yeah. who's going to suffer yeah. someone's going to wait while the other food while is coming the 20 out top comes out yeah and and so you've got a single diner that was sitting at the bar that mm -hmm. just happened to get their ticket behind the, yeah, the 20 the top food and yeah. <laughs> and now we should do a show sometime about all the slang Oh, yeah. You know, uh, that would top, be really uh, fun. 86 <laughs> and explain what all these things are. Uh, see, I thought you were going to say we should do a show about single diners. <laughs> we can do that, too. We can do that, too. Yeah. I love single diners. Yeah. I'm a single diner. We had a very fun um, single diner in for Thanksgiving at Sante at the Sonoma Mission Inn. It was a, a young guy, probably in his early 20s. 
and he was at the table next to him was three women in their 40s very attractive uh, um, ladies and they invited him over to sit with them on thanksgiving that and is enjoy. so lovely it was beautiful and i Aww. i've seen numerous stories like that happen with single diners and i've seen two single diners actually pair up wow. um, and invite the other one and then have a, a little um a nice yeah. little dinner together so and you know it that is part of like going out you know you don't know everything that's going to happen there's going to be unexpected and Though we get plenty of guests complain that our tables are too close to each other, but we have had as many, well, maybe not as many, but plenty of people that have met people at the table next to them and have been friends or knew someone that knew someone or they were related five times ago. But um, those are wonderful things. Yeah, I've seen wine bottles get passed exactly. from table to Sharing. table. People I've given that have, people a bite of my food. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me see your fork. Right. You can taste right. my food. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, these are kinds of the things I think that we're going to really enjoy talking about. I mean, yeah. restaurant, food life, um, you know, there's so many layers of what food does. Um, and how people act around it, whether it is social or health or political or how we're getting the food to the table. Yeah. I mean, I, I think mean, foie gras just uh, oh, pretty much takes care of every category that you exactly, just mentioned in right. some you way. You could just pop that right on there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so we, I can't wait to discover. Now, I think, you know... 20, 21 years doing this, and I've probably opened a bunch of businesses, wrote a few books, and a lot of in between, and that could probably take up five shows. But really, I want to talk about you. And, um, you know, we've had the pleasure of working together for 10 years and still remain friends, which has been awesome. And, Um, We've done some really fun things, our videos, and we've had a lot of laughs. And but your path has been um, pretty varied because you were a caterer. I was a caterer. Well, I I started working in restaurants at fifteen. I worked for I don't know if you remember Ned Foley, who owned uh, Fairfield Landing and Steamer Gold Landing in Petaluma. No. Um, You know, I don't I don't know how you can work at fifteen. I somehow managed to start work at fifteen and was I washed dishes less than then. And I think my my parents maybe knew someone that was running the restaurant or something. Um, But that was uh, two weeks of doing dishes, and then quickly moved up to. Um, busser because I saw that they were making uh, money. Not only that, they were dry. (laughs) (laughs) You can only be wet for so long and, um, and you know, see all this great food come back that people haven't eaten. And then you say, man, I want to get out to where that food is whole. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, and, and then, um, you know, growing up in Petaluma, we have a, a great restaurant scene there. And, Moved from Steamer Gold over to a small little restaurant on Kentucky called Petrucci's. There was a, a chef named Glenn Petrucci. Um, great restaurant because it was he was the owner chef. And he was in the back and just had a little square window that looked out onto the dining room. So he was the restaurant manager and the chef wow. and the owner at Never the same time. did One, not know that. I think we had 20-something tables and he cooked all the food. Sometimes the dishwasher, uh, Bill... I still remember Bill. <laughs> oh my God. Bill would stop washing dishes and come over and help, help him, him help him plate. And then he'd go back to doing dishes and, and we'd, um, Glenn did that for years. 
Um, and, and I became a server because the, one of the servers there would like to leave early. So she'd always say, well, why don't, can you just finish up my last couple tables, my last two or three tables? And that went on for a couple of months. And then Glenn said, you know, why are you just finishing her tables? If you're going to do that, why don't you just take them? If she's obviously not interested in being here for the whole shift. So that's what I did. I took over her spot and she moved over to Dashmir. Um, so I got, I do remember Dashmir. We can talk about Dashmir. I, I, Petrucci's was fun because we had a great wine list. It was the first time I saw all those bottles sort of stacked up in the, in the, um, in the wine cellar. I remember seeing a Katuri wine for the first time. Um, this has got to be in 1986, 87. So, so local wines, not Italian wines. There was some Italian wines, but um, a lot of local wines. And it was the first time I'd seen a lot of these labels because I was, you know, 17. I don't even think I was 18 years old, um, probably 17. But the place, speaking of Dishmir, the place that everyone wanted to work, if you were in the restaurant business in Petaluma um, in the 80s, you wanted to work at Dishmir because it was this little tiny spot that was on your way out of town, um, right off Bodega Avenue. Funky. Funky, and uh, the the two guys that own it, Bob Steiner and Matt Roach, used to work together at a restaurant in San Francisco and then decided that they wanted to open up their own spot. Matt was was on the floor, and Bob was a a chef. So he was um, Swiss-German. And so his style was sort of Swiss-German, and... um, you know, a lot of uh, potatoes mixed with carrots. Uh, but was all one of local produce. All, all local stuff. Like and farm to table before right, we said farm right. to table. And every plate came with whatever vegetable we had that day. A lot of times it was uh, broccoli or asparagus. And then we'd drizzle a little uh, hollandaise over that. And oh. then you could have either the rice or the mashed potatoes. And the mashed potatoes had carrots cooked into them. So you boil the carrots and the potatoes together. Oh, amazing. Um, so... Finally got it. I had a friend that worked over there that finally got me in and it was a cash only business, which was great. We left every night with uh, money in our pockets Big and wads. yeah. And, and a lot of times, you know, spent it before we got home. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys, you know, it was a lot of young people and we like to have a, a good time sometimes at work. We actually, the table that we're sitting at uh, right now at the Rhone room, we had a table like this at Dishmir and, and Sometimes we used it for guests, but a lot of times it was the communal table for the employees. And at a certain point of the night, when your tables all had their food, you could order whatever you wanted. You could and have, you could eat while your guests were you eating? Could have full, you could not only eat, you could drink. We'd open wow. up a couple of bottles of wine and we'd sit at the table, but you, you have complete view of all of your section and everyone knew that if they needed something, they could say, hey, Brian, can you get, can we grab another never, bottle of wine? Never that lenient. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why yeah. we loved working there. We'd yeah. be sitting there drinking and, and eating. And um, Crazy. The, the clientele was great. A lot of dairy farmers. So you had the Benedettis and the Antoninis come in and they'd come in and or you had to bite your tongue when they ordered the closed boys Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd say, you'd present it and say, here's your closed du Bois, sir. Because <laughs> you didn't want to make fun of these big, big dairy farmer guys and correct it. them because you knew they weren't mm. going to speak French for you. Um and th- that job was fun and did that for a while and then um, um, decided to move to San Francisco. You know, was having fun um, going out in San Francisco. My sister's a little bit older than I am, so she would get me into some places that I wasn't supposed to be. 
and um, really liked the you're nightlife. Wild, you're wild. Love the nightlife. Love to boogie. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, decided to move into San Francisco and and started working for, I think, Specialties Cafe and Bakery. Um, so I was a coffee jockey right there wow. on market where people would come up out of Bart and talk about pressure making coffee. You always had a line, you know, it's when the train would let out. Like cappuccinos <clears throat> and espressos Cappuccinos, then? espressos, wow. everything. And the people mm-hmm. would walk up to the window. So, I mean, you had sometimes 10, 15 people waiting and you were just flying, making coffees as wow. fast as you could. Um, and then started working for Hornblower Dining Yachts uh, out of Pier 33. I've been on and, one of uh, those. I worked on the Monte Carlo, which um, we used to do rhythm and blues cruises, reggae cruises, country and western cruises. We had a, a karaoke machine on the top. We had a casino in the front of the boat. And you, you weren't supposed to play with real money. It, you know, People would come on and buy chips or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and then you'd have prizes for whoever um, um, won the most amount of chips. And being out on the bay, um, that's challenging serving food sometimes. Everyone wanted to go under the Golden Gate Bridge, but sometimes the weather didn't really dictate it, but they would press us. And so the captain sometimes would say, okay, you know what, fuck you. We're going to go <laughs> under the Golden Gate Bridge. And when you came about, everything came off the buffet. Everything came off the bar. <laughs> and I, I could just picture him laughing in his, in his um, little pilot's thing up there on the top of the boat because these people you know that we paid a lot of money we want to go to the golden gate bridge um and trying to pour a glass of champagne on a uh on a yacht that's out on the bay can be challenging you know the person's hand is moving your bottle's moving you rarely get it in the hole (laughs) (laughs) um and did that for a while and that was a lot of fun and and then found the um the kimpton group um which was great Uh, i worked at um, puccini and panetti's and then uh, learned to bartend and then uh, at the Grand Cafe, which uh, was at the oh, Hotel Monaco and was, was modeled after La Coupole in France. And mm-hmm. so the, the restaurant was incredibly beautiful restaurant. We had a great it chef really and um, had the little petite cafe in the front where people could sit and have grand martinis, biggest martini glasses I've ever mm-hmm. seen in my life and oysters and wood burning oven with pizzas and just great. Um, but met a girl there who was from Portland and... Um, she didn't really want to live in San Francisco anymore. And I said, you know, my family and I have always vacationed in Hawaii. I know I like it there. I especially like Maui. Um, if, you know, do you want to move there for a little while and check it out? So that was the next move. Went to, uh, wow. went to Maui and got a job working for the Four Seasons Hotel in, in Waialea uh, oh, at Ferraro's. Loved Waialea. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, every day is the same, but it's a beautiful day. I mean, you wake up and it's, it's 79 Doesn't degrees. Doesn't it get a little boring though? It does, but, but for a while it's great. I mean, when you're young and, and you like to Surf. stay up late and go to the beach and see girls in bikinis um, and, and it's a healthy lifestyle. Everyone is, you know, you're on the, More fit, you're not yeah. wearing clothes most of the time. So right. yeah, <laughs> you try and be as fit as possible. Um, but after about three years, I heard that the Four Seasons was... They had, a, at that point, moved out of the Clift Hotel, which was um, um, on Geary and Taylor in San Francisco, and they were building a new property. And so it was time and transferred back to um, transferred back to the Four Seasons in San Francisco. Did the girl come with you? She did not. She didn't make the cut. Um, I, I knew she wasn't going to come back. Uh, come back. She, 
she just liked to move around. But but we had a lot of fun and and it was um, a great time. And I loved working for the Four Seasons Hotels. The benefits were incredible, especially in Hawaii. It wasn't union, but we had four hundred one k profit sharing, medical, wow. dental, opto. I mean, and you you basically worked four and a half, five hours. Was it a union house? No, it wasn't at all. Wow, um, interesting. Just Hawaiian laws, you know, with healthcare at that point, they were so far ahead of the curve um, that we just got incredibly well taken care of. And the profit sharing was something that I wasn't familiar with. And anyone that doesn't know that, you see a lot of silverware going to the garbage at restaurants. When you institute a profit sharing program, a lot of that goes away. <laughs> wow, interesting. <laughs> because you're very motivated to save money on glassware, plates, silver. I mean, whatever it was, you knew that you were going to get a check for all of these things at some point during the year. So um, we took good care of the restaurant and, and they took good care of us. Um, yeah, we, we just got to, people would come sit down, order a drink and watch the sunset. We were right there on the on the Beautiful. water it was one of the only restaurants it was right there on the water and you you know get off at nine thirty or 10 go out go out to the bar see all your friends that worked at the the other places and then uh go to the beach afterwards because beach is always open and free and you could bring a guitar and a and a log and yeah. uh, <laughs> and you're pretty much set till three or four o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. um, and then do it again and do it again um, but it was fun to come back, come back home and, and open up a hotel. I had, I had never opened a hotel before. I had opened a restaurant, actually the River Cafe in Petaluma. Um, that is so weird. Isn't that weird? And that is bizarre. I think I was, I sort of missed that. At some point I was, I think, 16 and maybe I was working two jobs. So that was one of them. And that, that house wasn't there. That house originally was on Washington in Petaluma. Oh, they moved it there. And Joel Coopersmith was the owner. He said, I want to buy that house. They cut it in half, put it on a flatbed, and moved it over to that location on the water. Um, and opened up the River Cafe. Had a great chef. Lou Chambrone was the chef. Oh, I can't believe you remember all Isn't this. Isn't that amazing? It is. Um, I don't know how I remember it either. <laughs> but for some reason... And this would be a good show to talk about too. Some locations never pan out, it, and you can. It was true. a beautiful Victorian house Fabulous. with oh, and with a deck and location. You're looking Fabulous. at the water in Petaluma, but for some reason, because you took we that were place there over one time, right? F- only 15 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even Did know not, what's there yeah. anymore, but it's going it's through. offices, medical, something. Yeah, they finally, I yeah. think, figured out that that was not it's a just not going to happen. Whether it was feng shui or whatever it feng was, shui, feng shui, wind. Or, yeah, I don't know yeah. the smell sometimes. Smell of the, of exactly. The River, of the could, uh, could River. <laughs> turn people off sometimes. Exactly. Um, but then eventually found myself um, working for Sandra. I still remember the day that I interviewed with John Toolsy. I thought that I was interviewing for the girl in the fig. And then was he, it at the girl in the fig? It wasn't. And, and that makes sense anyway, because trying to do an interview at the girl in the fig, especially for John, I'm sure he would have been same right. thing with you. You get Up interrupted 50 yeah. times in 10 minutes for people that, that want things from you. Um, but the estate, which was the general's daughter and sat down with John and had an interview. And, by the time I got home, there was a message from John offering me, me a position at the restaurant. Wow. Yeah. So I think the interview went well. I think it did. I think it did. Yeah. And then uh, that's when I became a part of the Girl in the Fig family. And eventually when estate closed, I was um, shipped down the, <laughs> down the block to uh, the Girl in the Fig and had to change my name. That's right. Yeah. To Casey. We had... Uh, 
too many Brian's. Chef and Brian. Ryan, you had Brian Herman. You had yeah, Brian, Brian Jones. Brian West. You had Ryan Callahan. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, your name is Casey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's how I became, uh, yeah, that's how I got the name Casey. And now still to this day, even though I am not working at the Girl in the Fig anymore, I still have people that they only know me as Casey. Yeah. Um, Chering just recently came over oh, to us at, um, at, at Sante and she calls me Casey. And is she working there? She is. <gasps> she, hey, can I tell you, she applied at the Girl in the Fig after coming back from having her baby and was not offered a position. So she came. I did not know that. Surprise, surprise. I'm making a note of that. Well, you don't get her back. We're so happy with her. I guess so. <laughs> and she, she, she's very cute. She loves it, actually. She, she loves seeing the people at, um, that work in the corporate environment um, because that was something that she hadn't had a lot of experience with. So she sees them driving their German automobiles and wearing suits and thinks, Hmm, how can I get into that situation? <laughs> yeah. Which is how you move up in the restaurant business. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's it. that's it right now. I What do I do now? I work at, um, I'm a sommelier and server at, uh, at Sante. And I do a, a food uh, podcast with Sandra and also a wine podcast with some of my friends. The winemakers. Yeah, which is, you know. Fabulous. Some of us that like to get together and drink wine and we turn on a microphone and sometimes some good stuff comes out. <laughs> it was really fun when you guys started. I thought it was like, like wow, these guys are really going to do it. I don't know. Knowing the, the personalities involved, I thought... Well, we'll see how many episodes they do. But right. you guys are hardcore. You really have gotten it down and kept yeah. it really important. Yeah, I think and we're I think uh, you 80 do a great job. And it's I, fabulous. I think the best thing is that everyone adds something different to the conversation. I John, learned so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, we've got someone who sells wine, someone who makes wine, someone who grows wine, and someone who just loves to drink wine. Exactly, sort and of, buy wine. Yeah, and we come about it from all different yeah, uh, it's great. angles. Um, it's great. But one thing we all we all do have in common is our love of uh, Rhone varietals. Just how I come in. And there's a reason for that. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about how you started that whole uh, movement or you want to save that we for can another save show? It. I think we could save it. That could go on for okay. a bit okay. on so many levels. Yeah. But, you know, again, even our backgrounds, you know, your your biography, you talk about your relationship with local homegrown, uh, you know, the thing that attracted me to actually move here was the stuff that you lived on. Well, and yeah, growing up, you know, in Petaluma, that was that was just what my mom did. Um, I don't know if you even heard of Cater Farms. No, I that, didn't hear any of those I things. I think it's now homes. So Cater Farms used to be a, this farm oh, that was out there in the country. And, oh. um, and they had chickens. And you would go there and get all of your raw chicken and also your eggs and then there was Bateman's which is now a catering kitchen that I think is owned by oh I'm gonna it's uh he lives right by Sweet D and he um anyway I'll think of it um but it, it used to be uh just a butcher shop and so we would we would go then to the butcher shop and get all the all the meats that we needed for the week that we'd go to a bakery right outside town. My mom would get the bread. Wow. So it was a, it was a trek, you know, but it wasn't one stop shopping at, at Lucky's or Safeway right. or something. It was, and that was just, um, and then, you know, you get little treats at Cater Farms. I remember we'd always get a Fig Newton. Um, oh, and that nice. was the real treat because Love we it. weren't, we weren't raised on, um, sweets, or sweets or sugar. We ate carob 
carob chips and uh, fig newtons. Yeah, that was the hippie family. Right. So <laughs> good and bad aspects to being, right. because as soon as you get out of the house, I remember um, babysitting for the first time and babysitting for some people that didn't live like that. Oh, God. And when I opened in up, their fridge and their oh, cupboards. M-G. When I opened up their crazy, cupboards and saw all the chocolate and candy, I, I probably made myself sick that first night because, you know, they were so nice. I said, please help yourself to anything you want. I'm sure I OD'd on chocolate that first <laughs> That is time. hilarious. Um, but to see how other people Well, that's lived, good. Most people look at the liquor cabinet. At least you were in the cupboards. I think at I was 14, <laughs> 13, 14 when I first was babysitting for my parents' friends. So yeah, no, I wasn't in the liquor cabinet yet. That, that was probably it a couple of years later. down the road. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, it, and it's funny when we were thinking about that, I just like when I go back and I think about my food history, I, I do. We went to the deli every Sunday, Jaime's or Murray's. And, and this is where know, in, in Philly? In the suburbs of the main line and outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And we would have um, Nova Scotia and white fish and toasted bagels and scrambled eggs with onions. And it was like uh, it was like going to church, you know, it was every Sunday. And then every Sunday night, pretty much we went to Chopsticks, which I couldn't remember the name until my brother reminded me last week. And we had Chinese food. It was like the thing that. I don't know, maybe I thought all Jewish people did on Sunday. I wasn't really sure, but that's what I thought. And, you know, my mom cooked and, you know, had a family meal, sat around the table, talked about what we did at school that day. And, yeah, that was my extent of food. Helped at the market once in a while. But I do say often that I did not know necessarily what animals which food I was eating came from right really did not have that connection yeah not in high school not in junior high um maybe not in college yeah yeah really was not connected like that yeah I I would I, I ask my daughter that sometimes I was just asking her that last night you know about her favorite foods and where they came from and what comes from a pig and to see how many things she could come up with but I'd love to actually... That would be fun. Well, I'd love to have her break, watch someone break down an animal, which I know you do sometimes for at your catering department or for the girl in the fig. It's because people don't really... They just... No. A lot of people think their food comes on a styrofoam tray wrapped in plastic with a price tag. I certainly did. And, you know, just horrible facts like, um, you know, a hamburger that you eat at fast food, the average, I think, it, the meat in that hamburger comes from about a hundred different cows because it's all being made in huge, complete uh, vats. But when you're getting something from Humboldt grass fed, uh, you've got Leland up there, you know, you, you you know, or the, probably the name of that cow. And, and, and I remember one time for a catering event, I tried to, I was doing a a large group and they wanted filet mignon. So I I called up um, Humboldt grass fed and I said, I'd like to order some filets. I need to get this many. And, And they said, why, we can't give you that many fillets. And I said, why not? He said, what do you want me to do with the rest of the cow? Right. I never thought about that. Right. He said, you know, why don't you think about doing some braising? You can, we can give you some of these different cuts and you can braise some, you can grill some, you can do some fillet, but then offer some different things because I can't just kill three cows to right. give you all the, the fillets, fillets. And then what am I going to do with the rest of the meat? Right. That was an aha moment for me. And there, um, there are a lot of things like that when we talk about food. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of 
the politics. Right. The uh, mystery. I just learned, I didn't know there could be 100 cows in one burger. Not our burgers. Our, Our meat comes from... Wildwood Farms in Kenwood. Yeah. Well, I said fast food, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you did say fast food. <laughs> I was hoping you, I didn't say, did get say. any hamburger in Sonoma. Yeah. And it, no. yeah, no, you did say, yeah. Right. No, Sandra, you've always been good about um, having relationships with people that you're sourcing yeah. from. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that's important to note. Yeah. I, yeah. I respect people that can do it 100% of the time. Um, we, we can't. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's volume related. Sometimes it's price prohibitive. Yeah. Figs. And I mean, how many dried figs yeah. can you buy? How many ducks when ducks are exactly. in the short? Right now, avocados. We had some issues uh, over the last right. couple of weeks getting avocados. Um, and do not eat romaine lettuce right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We did uh, yeah. kale Caesar for right. Thanksgiving kale this year. Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's pretty yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm excited to like dive into so many different topics and got some great guests coming on can in we, the next few weeks. Can we mention some of those? Sure. Um, old friend Steve Sando, who uh, started Rancho Gordo Beans. And Which translates to... I don't know. Fat Ranch. Fat Ranch. Well... This is a joke between your, your one of your chefs, Jeremy, and I would always make fun of... Every time he'd say, these are Rancho Gordo Beans, I would stop and say, does everyone know what that means? I, I have no idea, and Steve will probably laugh at that, so okay. I'm sure you can bring that up. I follow them on Instagram. But I love their products. fabulous. Yeah, we use he's that terrific. at the hotel, too. Really, yeah. really good guy. Um, John Ash, Chef John Ash, who is really, um, he, he should be congratulated. He's the guy that really got wine country food on the map. Um, fabulous teacher, great chef, um, had a restaurant that is still named after him. He doesn't, he's not involved anymore, uh, is on the radio now as a media guy. Um, but really great guy and knows everybody. I'm excited to reconnect with him and some friends who are chefs that started a chocolate company. Susan and Jeff Mall will visit, Kathleen Hill, who uh, writes for the Sonoma Index Tribune, who right. is also a historian, um, has will have a lot to offer us. On. Yeah, I'm excited to have yeah. Kathleen on. Her and I have never actually sat down and she adores talked. you. Oh, she that's knows nice. exactly. She I always tried to, to take really good it. care of her when Thank she came you. in. Appreciate uh, it because <laughs> I knew who she was. But her and I have yeah. never, you know, sat down and had a conversation yeah. like you and I. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll be some interesting stuff. We've got a long list of wanted people. Yeah. And um, slowly getting those invites out. And certainly if you know someone that should come and talk food with us, um, you know, please have them go to our website, thebikegoeson.com. And there's a place where guests can send us a message and say, hey, I want to come talk to you. And so excited. So excited. Yeah, we should mention how people can hear the show. We're, we're being hosted by um, Radio Misfits Podcast Network which is based out of Chicago, but is on everything, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. If you just go to your Google or your Safari, whatever it is you're using and type in, um, you can go to the bike goes on.com and, and start your journey there. Or you can just go to radio misfits and, and, um, find the podcast, um, through that and, um, listen in your car on your phone. Um, that's, I think Son and I both sort of, spend time in our a lot of time listening to podcasts listening to the podcast yeah and i think we'll offer up some good ones that are out there and um spread yeah. the love on that 
Um, Some great stuff happening now. Certainly, uh, we're not coming in at the beginning of a food podcast trend. Um, There's some great things out there, and there's a lot of people have a lot to say. Yeah. Um, we'll have show notes um, on the website. You know, if people want to get a hold of people, we'll get information uh, out to them. And it's just, again, like how bad could it be talking about our favorite subject? Right. Well, wine, food. Yeah. Wine does come from food. So I think we'll touch that every once in a while. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so we'll so touch too. Wine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, exactly. I am sitting here surrounded by about 400 bottles right now yeah. staring at yep. me. Yeah, <laughs> you've been good so far. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite adult toy store, the yeah. Roan Room. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, this is really fun. Uh, we're going to, I think, sign off for today. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. So for, for everyone out there, please visit us at thebikegoeson.com. Check us out on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This show will... Don't rate this show. This is our first. Remember that. Oh, give us a rating. We're going to get love better to hear, and better. We love to hear ratings. And, if, right. and like Sondra said, if you have any ideas for guests that you'd like to... Um, to hear or have us uh, introduce us to we'd uh, love to have that information so sandra brian uh, start us something special yeah so excited i think we've both been very excited to get this going and um um it's here got a lot to chew on right Ooh. Ooh, pun intended pun intended <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh this has been Brian Casey and Sondra Bernstein for The Bike Goes On, and I hope you join us next week.